right, guys, welcome back to Friends From Work. Today, we are so close to a very important milestone in the Friends From Work rewatch journey. Next week, we are going to be talking about The Avengers, which ends our phase one. So today, we thought we would make sure you are caught up on some of the important details, and we wanted to try and build some anticipation for that milestone next week. As always, I'm Kyle, he's Robbie, and today we are doing an episode we are calling The Saga So Far. Robbie, how are you? You know, I'm doing well. In terms of important details, there's one that I would like some clarification on, and and that's why you sound like you're speaking to us from the grave. (laughs) I have a pretty bad cold, and I'm still just (laughs) powering through, though. I'm powering through. Are you impressed? I am impressed. Uh, Yeah, at least maybe this will show everyone how dedicated you are to the cause. So dedicated. However, I will let you do the majority of the talking today. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, man, okay, this is, this is a fun episode, Kyle. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, we've come a ways here. We have. Together. Like, we've been on this journey. This is our first <laughs> big stop, like we said. And I think it is, it is fun to just look back on what this story is. And I think, you know, we've said this a few times, but look at what even right now at this point in our rewatch order, what Marvel has accomplished. Yeah, it is pretty crazy to look at. You know, if you kind of view the entire saga as a book, this first phase is definitely all about origin stories, about introductions into new characters. And this is a good spot to kind of put a bookmark in our book and just take a quick breather. And I wanted to make sure that we could kind of take a quick account of what has happened thus far and what's going to be really important. I do think in a lot of ways, the upcoming phases are able to do some of the things they're able to do storytelling-wise because of this first chapter. So even though some of these individual movies can be a little bit clunky or not quite as well-received, there's a lot of important work done here so that the payoff happens later down the road, you know? That's a really great point because I think... I think because some of these movies are not as well-received, a lot of times they're not as often watched or sometimes skipped entirely for people that come into the MCU later. But you're right. There's a lot there that I think really enhances not just the Avengers, but other Avengers movies moving forward. Right. So I think it is important for us to kind of look at the stories that have been told so far because there are a lot of different stories that are all going to kind of converge here in Joss Whedon's Avengers movie. Right. And so looking at where those stories left off, I think will make that movie not just make more sense, but maybe resonate more with viewers. For sure. And before we dive into Captain America, I just want to say, man, I do love these movies still, though. (laughs) I have had so much fun rewatching these. Right. And I am really excited to watch the Avengers now with all this in mind, you know. But let's get into Captain America just to catch people up with where he's at. Yeah, okay, because it has been a bit. It has been a bit, agreed. So when we last left Captain America, um, he had just kind of sacrificed himself for, I guess, the world in some sense and had won in that he beat the Red Skull but had kind of lost in that he literally lost everything that he had known and cherished in his life. And so he, he wakes up in... Uh, the 21st century, some 70 years later after being frozen in the ice, everyone he's known is either very, very old or dead. Um, And I think that's a detail that's easy to gloss over, but 
when you get to these next movies, you'll understand some of his motivations better if you understand how much he has not gotten to live a life, not only culturally, yeah. but his emotional decisions, maybe his decision with Bucky or with Peggy and how that drives him. He hasn't gotten to live the life. So the next time we see him in Avengers, he didn't have that. That's so true. And I, I also think it's all the more tragic. And we talked about this some in the Captain America episode, but it's all the more tragic because not only had Steve just found Peggy, but I think Steve had also just kind of found his purpose in a way. Like yeah. he had, he, you know, from what we understand up until he was transformed using the super soldier serum, he was just never really able to figure out where he fit in. And it's like right as he's kind of hitting his stride and has a community and is feeling like he really knows what his life is about, he gets checked out and right. plugged back in and suddenly everything's different. He's like back at square one. Right. So he never really quite feels at home again, I would say. Right. And in the 1940s, the people he was working with, the SSR was full of totally trustworthy people who he could he mm. knew were just trying to defeat the Nazis. It was yes. like no hidden motives, no subterfuge. Right. And now the modern incarnation of that, you know, the the organization you think he might be able to actually feel at home with greets him <laughs> with right. deception. Right. Now that's only the first, you know, that's the inception of the idea. We won't see that fully take place until a little bit later on the saga, but it is important to note that his first interaction, you're right, is deceitful. Right. You know, and, and you can, and again, it's it's going to, I think, really be interesting as we look ahead at Steve and, and Nick Fury's relationship because they're so different in the way they see things, where yes. I think Fury is always thinking about kind of the greater good. And so he's willing to to bend some things and maybe break some things to get there. And and so for him, you know, there's nothing wrong with with tricking Cap because he just thought that that was the best way to go about it. But I think for Cap, as we've as we've seen already, and I think as we will see, trust is something that's actually pretty important to him. Yeah. And once that's breached, I think that that's kind of a big deal. So that's kind of where we left him. This strong character, naive at times because he's missed out on this life. Guy who wants to do the right thing and just barely has this idea of distrust, that's where Cap is at at this point. Right. I mean, he's he's in a world that he doesn't recognize. So I, I think we have to look at this character as not just naive, but also probably pretty vulnerable. The other most important thing to take away from Cap's movie is that we are introduced to the Tesseract, and right. then it's important to track where that ends up. So yep. the Tesseract at the end of Cap falls through the ship into the ocean where Howard Stark rediscovers it. Then we are left to believe there is a time gap where they are trying to experiment with this Tesseract. And that takes us all the way to Captain Marvel. Second movie in our rewatch. And that's actually where the Tesseract is front and center. We see that some people of S.H.I.E.L.D. have been working on this, trying to build a lightspeed core, trying to basically harness this power somewhat unsuccessfully at times. Right, right. And so we know that S.H.I.E.L.D. had this for decades um, and Endgame will later tell us that they at least had it through the 70s. But then once Marvel, uh, who we met in Captain Marvel, got a hold of it, the Tesseract left Earth for some period of time um, and was up in her station in orbit. And at the end of that movie, 
um, it does wind up with Nick Fury where it will stay right up until the Avengers. You know what I just realized, and this is not the appropriate time to do this, but I was thinking about the other day, you know, Captain Marvel has the power of flying at light speed. I never put two and two together that that may be because they were also experimenting on this light speed core from the explosion. Yeah. I just never put that together. How much of an idiot am I? So anyway, she... Well, and I think it's kind of fitting, right? Because in the same way that Wanda's powers are totally informed by the fact that she got them from the Mind Stone, I think it makes sense that if Carol got her powers from the space stone, that part of it is that she can transport, you know, like move through space very quickly. Our audience is now rolling their eyes at me. Like you just now realize that? No. Okay. I get it guys. Back (laughs) off. Anyways, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Hey guys, leave my friend Kyle alone. Yeah. Thank you. Also, I'm sick today. Okay. So maybe my, (laughs) my head's a little cloudy. Um, what's important to note about her is that she's very powerful. She realizes this, uh, this ability to fly at high speeds, but then she feels this burden to help other planets. So she goes off. So she's out there fighting, but we don't know. And we don't know how far away she is. So the way I like to think of it is it may take her a long time to get back to earth, depending on where she's at. So I don't think she's just right there at the a phone call. Then she'll be there in 30 seconds. I don't think it's that close. Right. So that can help explain why she can be out there and not come back for the next you know few movies. I think that's a good point. Um, so, I mean, so we see at the end of Captain Marvel that Fury has his pager that he can use to call her, like what you're saying. Um, but we also see that he has realized that he's going to need people that are actually on Earth to be able to do what Captain Marvel can do because he knows she's going to be off in the universe doing who knows right. what. And so he needs a team. And that's where we see at the very end there this inspiration for the Avengers initiative. Right. Which is going to take us perfectly into Iron Man. Man. First off, great idea by Nick Fury. And secondly, (laughs) the first character we meet post Nick Fury's idea for the Avengers initiative is actually not fit for the Avengers initiative, according to Fury himself. And that is Iron Man. True. And I think in a lot of ways, it's important to note that he's not fit for this because of his ego and how narcissistic he can be. In the first Iron Man movie, we see Tony Stark's creation of the suit. And in Iron Man 2, we start to see him battle through these demons of who is Iron Man? Is Iron Man him? Mm -hmm. Is it Tony Stark? Is it the suit? Is it his tech? What makes Iron Man Iron Man? But ultimately, his demons, his narcissism, his ego is what's costing him at being more than a consultant at this point for the Avengers. Yeah, I think... What is so compelling about Tony and especially moving forward, but I think as we're looking even just at the Avengers, is kind of his burden, his his curse, if you will, has been knowledge. He is always the smartest guy in the room. So how is he not going to have that ego, right? Like, it's hard because... You know, we've talked some about the contrast between him and him and Cap and him and certain other characters, but it's like he is always the one that knows more than anybody else in almost every conceivable way. And so I think this movie is going to be a really interesting look at how does someone like that figure out how to trust other people on a team. For sure. So the biggest takeaway for me is that fundamentally his character is juxtaposed to Captain America's character. And we see that in Iron Man 1 and 2 versus Captain America, the first Avenger. 
And obviously that's going to be very important going forward, but it's important to note before we get into the Avengers specifically. Right. And I think it's important to think also about the the different ways that Fury has interacted with these two characters. And I never yes. really thought about this, but Fury would love for all the Avengers to be like Cap and just to be good soldiers. Right. You know? Right. At least Cap at this point. At least Cap at this point. We'll talk more about that later. But but yeah, Tony is so unwieldy. So you're right. I think where we leave Iron Man after after Iron Man 2 and the last time that we'd see him technically at the end of The Incredible Hulk is uh, just Tony is as full of himself as ever, and he is working with Nick Fury, but uh, has basically been told that Iron Man has no place in the Avengers at this point. Right. Yeah, and Iron Man 2 also gives us our introduction to Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff. Yes. Yes. Yeah, which we talked about in the Iron Man 2 episode, how it's kind of fun to see her doing the spy thing on Tony. And it's just kind of fun to see her, you know, at her full spyness potential, if you will. Right. And so now we know that she is close with Fury, that she now has, has a relationship with Tony also. And so she's kind of more poised than anybody that we've met so far to kind of help facilitate the connection Right. Of all of these different figures into a team, which is funny given right. that she is kind of this like solo spy. So then we kind of take somewhat of a left turn over to the Incredible Hulk, which we'd be <laughs> lying left turn, if we do you said mean just a way worse movie. <laughs> we, we, yes, I do. We'd be lying if we said there was a ton to take away from this. Um, but I do think you should remember that A, the Hulk was created through gamma radiation gone wrong. And Bruce Banner does not like turning into the Hulk. It is not a fun, pleasant thing for him. And at the end of Incredible Hulk, he is still working on controlling it. We right. are not led to believe that he has 100% control yet. And something that I thought about, this is maybe not, it has some relevance to the Avengers, but I just think that's something we forgot to touch on in the Incredible Hulk. But we talked about how Banner became the Hulk through attempting to recreate the experiment that turned Steve Rogers into Captain America. Yes. I think it's worth looking at how, you know, we always talk about Iron Man and Captain America as kind of polar opposites, but there's a way in which Captain America and the Hulk are also kind of polar opposites. So on the one hand, you have Captain America, who, you know, is just basically the optimal version of a human being. And not only is he physically perfect, but he also has this like strong moral code. And it's like, he's using all of this power in exactly the way that he should be. And then on the other hand, you have this guy who is basically tricked into doing this experiment. Didn't even really know what was, what was going on as we found out in the incredible Hulk. Um, and he didn't turn into some perfect version of himself. Rather, what he gets is this Jekyll and Hyde situation where whenever he turns into the Hulk, he loses his mind entirely. And whatever, and the strength that he's given is almost always used destructively. Interesting. Except he doesn't have the ego of Tony to make him feel resentment towards Cap for that, you know? That's where no, the no, line no, totally. gets different. Yeah. That is true. But I, but I do wonder, you know, as we see these characters meet, how 
how that influences the way that Cap is going to look at Banner and how it influences the way that Banner is going to look at Cap. All that to say, yeah, at the end of The Incredible Hulk, Banner is, is ostensibly still traveling around uh, just trying to escape detection by the U.S. military right. and by S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. And that's only one part of Fury's Big Week. <laughs> I love how much you love saying Fury's Big Week. Because I just found out about it, and for some reason, I love it even more now. But Iron Man 2 is part of Fury's Big Week, which we already talked about. Hulk is part of Fury's Big Week. And then the last movie in Fury's Big Week is Thor. So we are introduced to the God of Thunder, and he is up in Asgard taking care of his own problems with Loki. Unfortunately, some of Thor's problems eventually spilled down towards Earth. But those problems allow us to meet Loki. And what's important to note about Loki is that he is motivated out of some family drama, misplaced anger against his dad, misplaced anger that he'll never get to be king. And so that forces him to sometimes overcompensate and do some things he maybe would regret. Right. I would say he's he's desperate for power and he's desperate to prove himself. For sure. And those are definitely the, the things that we see kind of at the core of his character, at least at this point. Um, the last that we saw of him... And Thor was that he fell to his death? Question mark. Oh no, he didn't because somehow he spiraled down the toilet to his death. Yeah, <laughs> he survived, I, I guess, and wound up on Earth in some capacity. Side note: He's kind of, sort of, in Doctor Selvig's head, which means that if nothing else, he knows about what's happening with the Tesseract. Right. Because, as we sort of alluded to earlier, what we find out here at the end of Thor is that Fury has started experimentation up again on the Tesseract, that something about Dr. Selvig's relationship with, with Thor, kind of what he's discovered about Asgard, has allowed him to basically probe deeper into what the Tesseract is and how to use it. And so... Not only do we have the Tesseract sort of coming back into play, but we also have a very unstable, godlike being with <laughs> with dangerous ambitions that is is also aware of this. No doubt. And we're also introduced to Clint, who will be known as Hawkeye oh, right. later. Good point. At, yeah, at the end of Thor. You know, so I don't know if there's a ton of takeaway other than he is working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and you just get a glimpse at him as what he can do. And we learn he's really good with a bow and arrow. Yeah, right. (laughs) Which is good to know. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently he's really good at golfing because in Civil War he says he can shoot 18 and 18. Trust me, as an avid golfer, that's not possible. I don't care how good you are. (laughs) Get out of town with that kind of stuff. Um, Well, and Thor is interesting here too because – We have the most brash, strong version of Thor that we've ever gotten, but I think he still at the beginning looks down on Earth a little bit, sees himself as a god, and he gets cast out and kind of goes through a character growth where he starts realizing that that might not be true. But I think the Avengers is going to show us that there's still a little bit of a torn self there where he still sees himself as a god and stronger. He's still brash he's still arrogant even despite learning some of those lessons is that fair to say i think that's actually a really good point i i think sort of similar to tony even though tony's had a big course correction from where he was prior to being kidnapped 
and Afghanistan. Right, right, right. Like, like Thor at the end of Thor 1 on Asgard, where everything seems to be going well, seems to be very parallel to Tony right out of the cave, where you think he right. won't ever be arrogant again or anything. But it's not right. all perfect yet. Totally. And, and I think even the fact that, you know, Thor, the way he kind of offers up his help at the end of the Thor movie, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice gesture, but it is this sense that he obviously feels, it's, it's very, um, it's kind of paternalistic in a way. Like he, he thinks that he can, he has a lot to offer the earth. I don't know if at this point he thinks that anyone on earth has that much to offer him other than Jane Foster. And that's maybe oversimplifying it, but I, I do think it's going to be, again, just really interesting in the Avengers to, to watch, you know, what, is, what does the literal God of Thunder have to gain from someone like Captain America being on his side? Right. Oh, man, it's just so fascinating to look at how all these characters slightly differ. It's what makes it so right. good, you know? All this stuff, they, they all would have their own motivations and they all would have their own conflicts, and I love that. And that's why I think this episode is helpful because I, I want to sort of look back at this phase one the way that that we were back in 2011, 2012, before the Avengers movie came out. Because I think in some ways it's so improbable that it all works if you know what I mean? Like there's so much going on. Right. All these different right. characters, like very different kind of power levels. And, and, and like, you know, we've talked about how Captain America is, is basically uh, an Indiana Jones kind of like World War II uh, right. movie. Right. And then Thor is this Shakespearean, like cosmic alien God. movie. Right, right. <laughs> and the fact that those characters are going to come together is in retrospect – you know, it, it makes total sense. But at the time, I think, was a very ambitious idea. Right. And don't forget, you still have, you know, Natasha and Clint, who are not anything other than just really good fighters. Um, and then Tony, right. who's a grounded character who has got some tech. But yeah, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. So, dude, that's the saga so far. Actually, part one, right, Robbie? Because we theoretically could have three saga so far's episode right, as we get right. further down. Yeah, but I mean, we've got we've got a whole long infinity saga in front of us. The saga so far, phase one. But if you are rewatching with us, this gives you a chance to go back now and catch up if you're behind, okay? Yes, I please. do think there's some kind of value in watching these in this order and prepping yourself for the end of phase one. Yep. The Avengers, as great as it is as a standalone movie, is immeasurably better as the culmination of an entire phase of movies. So if you are rewatching, if you're getting ready to watch The Avengers with us, please let us know what you're thinking. Let us know if there's anything that we've missed on the saga so far, if there's anything else that we should all be looking for as we go into The Avengers. We are on all social media platforms at the FFW Podcast. And also, please be sure to follow us, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are there. We really appreciate your support. And we want our podcast to be as accessible to you as it possibly can be. So 
you know, Lowell, you scratch our back, we scratch yours kind of a situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you for listening. We are very much looking forward to talking about the Avengers next yes. week. We are. Sorry that scratching bit got me. Thanks for listening. <laughs> this is Friends from Work. We'll see you next week. Bye.